2: Hello and welcome to the game day podcast from TalkSport with me Sam Matterface, the former Manchester City West Ham and England winger Travis Sinclair and TalkSport's football correspondent Alex Crook. So much to get into the cup final preview, the big relegation games and Arsenal red-faced and holding on to fourth place looks tricky now.
3: Spurs three, Arsenal nil the goal inside one minute and 15 seconds at the start of the second half and it's now beginning to get very embarrassing for Arsenal. Spurs! Sending off of Rob Holding is costing Arsenal more and more by the minute here.
2: All the best stats, team news, previews, reviews of all the big games. It's the best pod available. It's the Game Day podcast from TalkSport. This is Game Day. It's a late night podcast for us. Hello, gentlemen, Trevor Sinclair and Alex Crook, early morning delivery to You because of the North London Derby, uh, talking of deliveries, Crook's wearing his uh, is it bowling gear? What is that? French <laughs> bowls or something? Is that it's cricket? What is,
4: it? it's, it's my cricket clobber, as you yeah. know, but well, no, it's cricket, not bowling gear. Cricket clobber, I, I don't bowl and no. uh, I, 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 I bat occasionally. Do you? I'm, I'm mainly in the what field. Do you do, all oh,
2: right, okay, you just stand there mainly the in the, the field. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many runs did you get tonight?
4: <laughs> I got six, which is good for me. It's well yeah, it's done. Me. What yeah. number do you bat?
2: I batted at nine today. Did you? Okay, so you're batting above your average, not for the first time. Uh, We'll get to the North London derby (laughs) in just a second, uh, the actual game. Uh, But the state of play right now looks like this. Chelsea, third, 36 games, 42-plus goal difference, 70 points. There's a four-point gap to Arsenal in fourth. 36 games played, 66 points, and a plus 11 goal difference. Tottenham Hotspur, 36 games played, 23-plus goal difference and 65 points. They're a point behind tonight. Um, Look, any semblance of the idea of it being over now is absolutely fanciful, isn't it, Trevor? It's all to play for.
1: Absolutely. And you look at the games that Arsenal have got. Newcastle away. We know how well Newcastle have done under Eddie Howe recently. Not so much recently, obviously, because they got smashed off Manchester City. But in general, the last few months have been superb. And then they've got Everton who are scrapping for the lives, uh, even though it is at the Emirates. Everton might still need points for that game. And you know what it's like. You know, a team down there might be down there because they've not played well all season, but all of a sudden they're, they're, they're in desperation and they pull out performances as we've seen recently. So a lot of work to do for Arsenal, uh, even though they've got a single point um, lead over Tottenham. And uh, I would suggest that you know Arteta will be saying to him, win both games and it's in our hands and we've done it.
2: Well, that's all they can do because there's no margin for error because you won't expect Tottenham to slip up against either Burnley or Norwich. I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? I think Arsenal have lost more games, conceded more goals and failed to score as many goals as Tottenham Hotspur. It is is every chance, actually, that they could find themselves above them at the end of the season. But that's going to take some coming back from tonight. Are we now certain, Crook, you can put Chelsea into the Champions
4: League? I think so. Uh, so congratulations to, to despite,
2: Thomas Tuchel. Despite your uh, little uh, little barb with Darren Lewis, trying to get me sucked into some possible Leeds defeat. In fact, you were trying to trying to inflict on me earlier in the week. I think we were fishing,
4: but but we were we were half right, <laughs> because, because we said if uh, if Tottenham win and Chelsea lose, then it would have been up for grabs. But I think maybe we gave Leeds United too much credit. We'll come on to them, but you're right. Arsenal have to be foot perfect now for the rest of the season because I think Tottenham will win both games. They always beat Burnley at home. They always beat them quite comfortably. And then they go to Norwich on the final day. Um, I think you could put me, you and Trevor in, in a Tottenham team and still beat Norwich on the final day. And I think Eddie Howe will be frustrated and he'll be disappointed um, with the suggestion that Newcastle are on the beach. as their last home game of the season. I think that's a really difficult game in prospect for Arsenal. Okay, right, cup final, top four, title,
2: relegations, all still to be settled with two games to go. It's all going right down to the wire.
3: Upstairs, Kane hits it right footed. Sends Banksville the wrong way. And first blood in the 191st North
4: London Derby has gone away. of Spurs. This will really break the morale. This will really hurt the squad. And we don't have characters in our squad. We don't.
3: And it is Arsenal who will play the rest of the game with 10 men. A needless, stupid, idiotic sending off for Rob Holding, already on a yellow card. The
1: way that they went into the first period of the game, there was a calmness about Spurs. And that is obviously clearly something that Conte has brought. And
3: from the corner, Harry Kane has scored from a distance. Anybody could have scored from you, me, Jay. Anybody could have scored from it was less than the yard out. Spurs two, Arsenal nil. Arsenal looked like they were just. They
4: went out and it just all kind of fell apart really quickly. And that's the difference in a great manager
0: and an average manager. Yeah.
3: Spurs three, Arsenal nil the goal inside one minute and 15 seconds at the start of the second half. And it's now beginning to get very embarrassing for Arsenal. Spurs three, 10 man Arsenal nil. The sending off of Rob Holding is costing Arsenal more and more by the minute here.
0: Right now,
4: Spurs are head and shoulders above Arsenal. Tonight's performance
0: told
2: me that they're not ready for top four. Tottenham three, Arsenal nil, and it's a resounding victory for Antonio Conte and Tottenham Hotspur in the North London derby, which we thought might be pivotal and could turn out that way. Um, It started badly for Arsenal and just got worse. Son was caught in a Cedric Holding sandwich but Trevor, how much was Paul Tierney influenced by the shenanigans between Holding and Son a little bit earlier on, who felt a little bit picked on for the first 20 minutes? Do you think the penalty was soft?
1: No, I don't. I think it was a, a blatant penalty. Um, you can shoulder charge someone shoulder to shoulder, but when you're nowhere, well, when you're behind them and you shoulder charge them in the back, I thought it was quite a dangerous challenge. Um, because if you see where Son flew after he got shoved in the back by Cedric's um, shoulder... Um, he could have collided um, with Holding and it could have been a nasty head collision. I thought it was a dangerous play. I thought Paul Tiena got it correctly. I don't think he was influenced, although I do feel that Holding was so excited for the game. You know, too too, too like uptight. And he knows, I think the, the reason is, he knows the, the quality that Son's got, the intensity, the pace, the end product, the finishing. And he just didn't want to give him an inch and he just got too tight, made poor decisions and he was too anxious and uh, that's what ended up getting him the red card. But the, the penalty decision, I think, Paul Tierney certainly got that one 100% right.
2: You and I were having a conversation during the game, doing sort of a lot of running text commentary, and both of us thought that this was going to end with Arsenal losing their heads and losing a man. You said it, I think, earlier on on TalkSport. I said to you after about 10 minutes, Rob Holding's going to get himself sent off here. It was obvious because he was too amped up for the game, they did concede a penalty as well. Um, we've already mentioned that. Kane scored all six penalties against Arsenal. And this one uh, was then backed up by a poacher's finish at the far post with a stooping header, which comes after the sending off. And without Arteta reacting and bringing on a defender quick enough, when you do end up in a situation where your central defender has been sent off and you quickly got to try and reset, Do you need to make sure that you've got the right personnel on the pitch almost immediately after that? Because otherwise you leave Harry Kane lurking at the far post.
4: Yeah, that's naivety um, from Mikel Arteta and maybe a bit of arrogance as well that he felt that Arsenal still had the tools to hurt Tottenham. I think man for man, we discussed it on the podcast the weekend, Tottenham are better than Arsenal man for man. They've got a better manager. Darren, <laughs> where's, where's your stats now, mate? They've got, they've got a better manager um, in Antonio Conte, somebody who knows how to handle these big game situations. And maybe what we saw was an example of a manager who is still learning on the job. I think he is a bit too emotional at times, Mikel Arteta. Uh, and maybe that seeped into his players on Thursday night as well. And I think I'm correct in saying that Arsenal have had more red cards since Mikel Arteta took charge than any other Premier League team. And that's a throwback to the early days uh, under Arsene Wenger. I think it's an issue for Arsenal in in terms of their their mental fortitude, their in-game management, if you like. And that could well cost them come the end of the season.
2: Yeah, at 13 Premier League red cards since Arteta's appointment in December 2019, the most of any club, and six this season. Why is it happening? What does Mikel Arteta exude that makes his team do this? Or is this just an inexperienced group of players?
1: Well, I think you can, you you can name both um, what you just said there at the club. But I think when you look at the manager, for me, he looks agitated. He's very animated. Like literally every decision, he's getting into the fourth official on the side. Um, His animation, when decisions are going down, he seems to be emotionally reacting to these things. And, I think there was a massive contrast in the technical areas um, at Tottenham Stadium because if you looked at Conte, even the first goal, the second goal, there was a little bit of a fist pump and the third goal is kind of the game's put to bed, there was a little bit more of a celebration. But the first goal, he hardly twitches. He's like literally ice cold. And I think Arteta should take a leaf out of that book because he... he Let's not try and
2: pretend that Antonio Conte isn't a
1: demonstrative manager on the top Of course he is at (laughs) times, of course he is. But, But listen, it's like cup finals derbies, huge games, you need to calm the players more than get them up for it. Because they're up for the... Everyone is talking about this game all week before this yeah. game in North London. Anyone who sees any of the players from both Spurs and Arsenal, the first thing that they come out of the mouths is, are you looking forward to the game? Come on, do it for the Reds or do it for the... White." This is all that's been on their mind. So as a manager, you know, when you're in these situations, when you get your team in, you have to calm them down, not get them up and because ha- they're already hyped for the game. So I feel probably Arteta may have been guilty of that, but I said to you, Sam, when we when we were texting earlier, I said the, the the worst thing is I'm talking about you know the lack of um discipline in this Arsenal side. We're talking about I'm saying I don't think Arsenal can get a result in this game because not because the team are not good enough because the head lo- they've got head loss in huge games. We've seen it against Manchester City in a brilliant position, one nil up head loss, send it off, then it's a different player. Then it's a different, it's not just one player. So you have to go back to the management, management and the leader and that is Arteta and for whatever reason, he's not getting this right at the moment.
2: And like you said, if we're talking about it, Antonio Conte is certainly talking about it and probably telling his players to focus upon it. And it's interesting you say about Mikel Arteta because we have given him a bit of a a big up over the last couple of weeks for getting Arsenal into this position. I think we all thought that they'd been a little bit lucky, actually, with some of the way that the fixtures had fallen for them. And and obviously, Tottenham were a little bit annoyed about the fact that this North London derby was rescheduled because of a a COVID outbreak. What he wouldn't have wanted, Mikel Arteta, was after that terrible first half, was to concede 90 seconds into the second half. Um, Hyung min Son now has 24 goal involvements um, he scored 17 and assisted seven in 22 appearances since the start of December. And he was the catalyst again tonight. He's been so effective for Tottenham and Antonio Conte. Are you surprised, Crook, that he was taken off with 18 minutes to go with the golden boot in sight? Don't worry, fella, you got Burnley and Norwich before the season's out.
4: I was going to say, I think he might well end up with the golden boot when you look at those two fixtures. One behind Mohamed Salah, bearing in mind that he doesn't take penalties for Tottenham. That is an incredible achievement and if tottenham do end up in the top 4 i think he will be a massive part of that and maybe is a bit unlucky that nobody's really talking about him in terms of player of the year i think we're all torn between de bruyne and Salah personally I think virgil van dijk's got a shout as well but nobody is really uh, bigging up son F- for that particular accolade, don't don't raise your eyebrows, Trevor Singler. look, look <laughs> Where does Liverpool,
2: get, were, doesn't everybody have to like? Don't you have to win something to sort of get the player? No, I think the, he, raises eyebrows, it. he
4: raises eyebrows. He eyebrows at the suggestion of Virgil Van Dyke. Um, when you look at Liverpool, where Liverpool were last season, where they are now, I think the impact has that. been
1: huge, but but I actually think that his performances at times have not been great. That's that's why I raised my eyebrows.
4: Okay. Well, you, you're the former pro. I'll, I'll take your word for that. But I think, I think he Som said that himself, though,
2: hasn't he? I, mean, I think Virgil said that himself. It took him a little while to come back up to full speed because he's not a robot.
4: Yeah. When you come back from such a, a severe injury, yeah. that is going to be the case. But anyway, we're, we're digressing. I think Som deserves an honourable mention. And again, you look at the goal involvements between him and, and Harry Kane. That is a fantastic combination. Almost single-handedly firing Tottenham into contention for the top four. I think Romero has been superb at the back as well. And the two lads they signed in January, uh, Kulusevski and Benton have made a, a real difference. And they've got a, a maestro in the dugout. But Son is a terrific player. Um, am I surprised he was taken off? Probably not, because he might end up with a golden boot anyway. And Tottenham have got bigger fish to fry now. That game was done and dusted. It was a sensible <coughs> substitution.
2: He was annoyed about it, though, wasn't he? He was annoyed about it. And I quite like the fact that he was annoyed about it because uh, it shows... He, he did an interview this week, actually, where he said he wasn't interested in the golden boot, which is nonsense, because he clearly is. Because he threw a strop as soon as that board went up with his number on it. Uh, and he sensed that there were more goals to get. Um, you mentioned about Arsenal-Newcastle on Monday night, Crook. And Trevor, you know, they, their other game is Everton at home. And Everton mm. might still have something to play for on that day as well. And for the game against Arsenal on Monday night... Arsenal will be without Rob Holding, that's a fact. Ben White's injury is not 100% healed. He was on the bench, and they didn't bring him on tonight. And Gabriel had to come off with a problem as well. Defensively, the pressure is going to be on them, isn't it? I mean, I mean, look, Tottenham probably will win at the weekend, although in this Premier League you can never predict anything. But if they do, it's a tricky game away from home with all the pressure on their
1: shoulders. Yeah, it's a huge game. And, and you look at that weakness in the, in the heart of the defence. I think they'll have to rush White back. I think when you look at mistakes, say, and you uh, analyse a certain mistake that he made with Thomas Partey in the Arsenal, North London London derby, and he got injured and he had a poor game, Partey. I think that's the reason why he didn't want to bring White back in the game today. Um, You know, once you've made that mistake, you try not to make it again and they'll be desperate to get White back on the pitch Um, and probably... Even though they were tempted to put him out there today, it'll probably do him good having that few extra days to to build himself up, get himself match fit. And then they'll still have to manage that. Um, but it's a huge, it's a huge area of concern because Holden has done a good job while White's been out until obviously today. Um, I feel he's part of the reason why he uh, was so agitated and and up for this game was because he realised that Ben White is getting closer to being back fit and he doesn't want to lose his place and he wanted to put in that extra special performance. But like I mentioned earlier, these games, just do the normal performance because that will do. Keep your heads and unfortunately you never managed to do that. But it's a huge game and yeah, they'll be tested by Arsenal because Arsenal will, sorry, Newcastle, Newcastle will be seething after the way they got beat off Manchester City and they'll want to bounce back well.
2: They will. Uh, Tottenham play Burnley at the weekend. It's a huge game live on TalkSport on Sunday at 12 o'clock. It has implications at the bottom of the table, as well as the top four. Burnley fighting for their lives, but struggling with injuries. They've got real problems. Ben Mee, Jay Rodriguez, Tarkovsky, Westwood and Vidra all doubts for the game. But what they must do, Crook, is start with Maxwell Cornet in the team this week.
4: Yeah, and I'm sure they will. Um, it was a baffling decision, really, to, to leave him out last weekend. One that backfired... I think Tarkovsky is, is a huge blow uh, when you consider they're already without Ben Mee as their two first-choice central defenders, and they have a really poor record uh, away from home against Tottenham. I was there three seasons ago, maybe, when Son scored that incredible goal of the season, picked up the ball oh, yeah, inside was brilliant, wasn't his it? own half and, and basically took on the entire Burnley team and then scored. Mm. I think Tottenham will not only win the game, I think they'll win comfortably. I can see a three or four nil victory, which will... Uh, add to Burnley's relegation woes. And as you say, really put the pressure on Arsenal going into Monday night. I mean, and the pressure on Burnley, because if Burnley were to lose that game, they're in a situation themselves where they're looking over their shoulder going into the last day of the season. Yeah, they, they, I said last weekend they probably needed one more win, Burnley, to be safe. I think 37 points will keep you up this season. They might not even need one more win because we, we're going to talk again about Leeds later. They look in an absolute mess. At the moment, but Burnley won't want to go there and, and get hammered and, and put pressure on themselves going into the last day of the season. But really, I can only see the outcome. I think Tottenham will be buoyed by this midweek win. They've got Kane and Son uh, in tremendous form. They're defending well. Very difficult to make a case for Burnley because I think probably the bubble has burst under Mike Jackson. Uh, Sean Dice
2: just spoken uh, for the first time this week since being sacked he said we were losing our edge and I suppose they need to get that back and get that back uh, quickly as Crookie was saying we'll have more relegation chat to come but what about the big game of the weekend the 141st FA Cup final
4: Burner inside the O's makes a mount it is 2-0 Chelsea and yet another FA Cup final, is surely
2: there. This FA Cup, it's the most prestigious, most uh, traditional cup in the world. Uh, there are no, not not a lot of bigger games to to be part of. It's back out to the right edge of the area. What a goal! By Sadio Mane! On the volley, inside
4: the box! Yeah, man, we played Chelsea already a lot of times this season. Still um, necessary, and then
3: from Thursday on, we will. Try to help the boys with the right information to prepare for this game.
2: Liverpool reach the FA Cup final for the first time in 10 years and keep alive their ambitious drive towards all four major trophies. Yes, the 141st FA Cup final sees eight times winners Chelsea face seven times winners Liverpool with Thomas Tuchel's side aiming to end Jürgen Klopp's hopes of an historic quadruple. Now the gap Trevor between second and third is massive in terms Mm. of points, Uh, but the games between the two have been pretty tight this season. 1-1 1-1 in August when Chelsea had Rhys James sent off at Anfield. 2-2 in January in a thrilling match at Stamford Bridge where they raced into a 2 goal lead Liverpool when Chelsea came back into it. And then one of the best nil-nils of the season in the League Cup final, which Liverpool won eventually at the end of an epic penalty shootout. Uh, do you think Chelsea can raise their game again for Liverpool? Will Thomas Tuchel come up with a tactical plan that nullifies the Reds' threat? Is that even possible?
1: Well, I think Liverpool are favourites, obviously, but Chelsea, they're European champions. Um, I was at the first game of the season with you at Anfield and when Reese James got sent off and Chelsea were still the better team. Now, a lot's happened since then. Um, the 2-2 draw was a, an intriguing game. Um, but like you say, there's a lot of difference between the points, that they've both managed to gain this season. And um, But I, I don't think you can ever put anything past Chelsea in a cup final, we've seen it in the Champions League final, they were massive underdogs against Manchester City. They won the game 1-0 and were the better team and deserved that win. Um, So, yeah, I certainly would give Chelsea a chance. Um, Although, you know, the way Liverpool have been playing and and, and sticking to the the tail of uh, Manchester City at the top of the table, um, I think, you know, you always have to say they are likely favourites, but Chelsea can spring a surprise for sure.
2: Tomassook has only actually won one cup final with Chelsea, despite the fact that he uh, won the Champions League, the Club World Cup, um, because they drew uh, the Club World Cup and then having to win it on penalties, really. They lost the FA Cup final against Leicester they just about beat Manchester City. Obviously, that's a tight game and they did very well to do so. And the League Cup final obviously didn't score at Wembley. In fact, Wembley's been a bit sort of a heartbreak hotel for Chelsea over the course of the last uh, few years. And the problem has, has been this season, really. Injuries, COVID, having players out. But the blend in midfield has been a real problem for them. And with Fabinho absent... And Thiago nailed on to play in the cup final. It's a big worry for Chelsea because they haven't faced him from the start in any of those draws that I mentioned earlier. And and their answer in that area is probably going to be Jorginho and Ruben Loftus-Cheek if Conte isn't fit, because we know it's unlikely that Kovacic is going to recover from that horror tackle from Dan James.
4: Mm. Yeah, I think you'll be a bit harsh on, on Ruben Loftus-Cheek. I actually think that he's been one of the shining lights in recent weeks for Chelsea. Obviously scored... Uh, in the FA Cup semi-final. Thought he scored his first Premier League goal for Chelsea in three years against Wolves uh, at the weekend, only to be denied uh, by an obvious offside. But I think he really has stepped up his game um, in the last six to seven weeks. So I I don't necessarily fear for them in that area. I fear for them because they aren't the Chelsea even that faced Liverpool in that League Cup final in February. There was nothing to split the two teams. In fact, you could argue that Chelsea were unlucky not to win the game because Lukaku scored a goal that was very dubious um, in terms of being offside, but Chelsea just don't seem to be in the same rhythm. I know it was a good win against Leeds in the week, and that was timely in terms of boosting confidence, but it, they just look problems there. Rudiger is going through the motions a bit, in, in my opinion, because he knows he's got this big money move to Real Madrid on the horizon. Afbel Equator, for me, has, has looked off the pace, and I wonder if the off-field issues surrounding his future have affected him. Mason Mount obviously was left out against Wolves at the weekend, and I don't think he's had a stellar season. And that's before you come on to the, the forward areas where uh, Lukaku, to me, still looks a bit disinterested. Werner just isn't there, and Havertz is fitted in and out of games. I think if Liverpool bring their A game, it's very difficult to see Chelsea being able to raise themselves to the kind of levels that they were at earlier in the season to make a contest of this. I think Liverpool have the ability to blow Chelsea away. 13 goals this season
2: for Mason Mount in 51 appearances. He's most prolific for Chelsea. He was Chelsea's top scorer in the Premier League with 11 goals. You know, scored the second goal I uh, uh, saw the score, he scored the first goal, made the second goal on a Wednesday night. Whatever it was, I think he's had a quite a good season, really, Mason Man. I think you're being very harsh on him, but anyway, um, I would say that, wouldn't I? Uh, Liverpool fans <laughs> have been a little bit worried about Chelsea because they always seem to know how to test that high line, and that's certainly something they exposed in the game uh, in at Wembley in the League <laughs> Cup final. Uh, but they have so much threat, Liverpool. I think if they approach the game the way they did the semi-final of this competition. They can blow Chelsea away early like they did with Manchester City. That front three of Diaz, Mane and Salah. And I think we're pretty convinced that it will be that front three. They can be uncontrollable at their best. And, and actually, Mane, his figures post-Afcon are brilliant. 12 mm. goals, all from open play since coming back from the Africa Cup of Nations. Whereas Salah, really, seven goals in the games that he's yeah. come back after the Afcon. And <clears throat> three of those have been penalties.
1: Yeah, it's almost like... Um that that win i suppose that victory for mané has given him a just a, a huge confidence boost and mm. and and completely opposite for for Salah. um but like you say they've got a, a, an unbelievable front five or six players that they can pick from now all seem to be on song all seem to be on form and um i think diaz has been outstanding what, what a signing you know oh. he, he's quite a frail guy when you look at his phys- physical presence but He's he's got a huge personality on he's the pitch. Frail, he's not frail, is he? He's just well, he's a quite bit slight, isn't he? Yeah, yeah he looks quite slight to me. But his personality is huge. You know that his first touch when he came off the bench. I think it was at Old Trafford with the outs. was just, just he just oozes confidence. Uh, he gets confidence. you drooling, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, he's he just a really gets you
2: drooling. Player. He's so good. I mean, who gets a player like that for thirty-seven million pounds? Liverpool and their scouting department. Yeah. That's who. I mean, yeah, it's absolutely super. outrageously good scouting that they've managed to get him over the line. Um, they, they have a much more settled team than Chelsea. I think if we all sat down here now and wrote out our 11 for the weekend, we'd get nine of them. You know, maybe that, that midfield area might we might be sort of arguing over. I think it'll be Henderson, Thiago and one other in the middle of the park. I'm pretty sure about the front three being Diaz, Mane and Salah and the back four takes care of itself, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, listen, the back four's been superb for Liverpool, you know, especially since Virgil van Dijk came in. Um, solidified that his presence just the way he um, oozes confidence and calms them down but like you say you know the high line which Liverpool love to adapt because of the way they press from the front I think it's a weakness and I think it's an area where you can get at Liverpool and if Werner is being saved for anything and he he, you know if he's going to have a real big impact (laughs) at Chelsea I think this could be the game How long has he been
4: saving himself for?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. I mean, look,
2: what do you do? What do you do if you're Chelsea? How do you line up up top? Because that's a key area. They've got lots of selection dilemmas all over the park, really. Who's going to play at Um, centre-half? Who plays in midfield? And who plays up top? Do they pick their top scorer? Or do they pick Kai Havertz? Because
4: their top scorer is actually... Romelu Lukaku. It is. I'm not sure, you know. And again, I'll go back to the conversation I had with Thomas Tuchel straight after Lukaku had scored those two goals against Wolves. I asked him outright, Thomas, brilliant that Lukaku's back on the score sheet ahead of the (laughs) FA Cup final. Today isn't the day to talk about that. It really is, mate. So I think Lukaku will be on the bench. I think he'll go with Kai Havertz. I think he'll think think that Havertz gives him more mobility and maybe will stretch the Liverpool defence more than Lukaku will. I mean, it, what they've
2: been doing in the really big games when they went to Real Madrid, when they were absolutely terrific, by the way, in the Bernabeu, yeah. you were there for that game. They, uh, were, superb. Crook, they were superb. They were superb. And Loftus
1: che- Cheek was excellent in that game as well, we yeah. mentioned him earlier.
2: But, it, but he played in a slightly different position, didn't he? He didn't play as a, uh, he a as back play He played as a wing, a, wing, yeah. a wing, yeah, sort of almost like a winger. Um, but they played Werner, Mount and Havertz. So that seems to be in the big games, the three that he goes with. Um, look, if if Liverpool win, which I think we'll probably expect them to, but you know Chelsea will have a say in it. it's a cup final, uh, it will mean that Jurgen Klopp completes the set of winning all domestic trophies available to him. I heard someone say that it means he'll get the, the full set of all the trophies that have been available to him uh, since he's been at Liverpool, but he lost the Europa League final, didn't he? So that's not true, not that he'll be contesting that any uh, time soon but he'll definitely complete the domestic trophy set uh, if he wins this weekend whatever happens there's going to be history made because Thomas Tuchel or Jurgen Klopp will become the first German manager to win the FA Cup and if Chelsea lose they'll be the first team to lose three straight FA Cup finals uh, predictions Crook 2-0 to Liverpool 2-0 to Liverpool uh, four of the last 25 FA Cup finals have been 2-0 yeah go on Trevor 3-1 Liverpool. 3-1 Liverpool. None of the last 25 finals have featured that scoreline. You never know it could happen uh, this weekend. I'm going to go 2-1 Liverpool. Um, 20% of the cup finals in the last 25 years have been that scoreline. Uh, right, let's move on.
0: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive in June. Olive & June gives you
1: They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.
0: The Premier League All-Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at Labrooks.com. 18+, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply
2: relegate good times come on yes the uh, team's fighting battling against relegation they've got a big Sunday afternoon and it's live on Talk Sport Tottenham Burnley gets us underway at 12 o'clock on game day and it's Leeds Brighton from, uh, I think it's two o'clock in the afternoon, but it could be at any time. Yeah, it is two o'clock in the afternoon. That's right. Uh, and it's live on TalkSport. And over-aggressive, ill-disciplined leads have dropped into the relegation zone at just the wrong part of the season. And these are crucial, crucial fixtures. And this one against an informed Brighton could be,
4: could be an opportunity for Brighton to rack up even more goals, Crook. I think Jesse Marsh has lost the plot, to be honest, Um <laughs> I'd like to say we gave him the benefit of the doubt when he was appointed. I'm not sure we did, really. It seemed a strange appointment. I I don't disagree with the decision to get rid of Marcelo Bielsa, but I think they needed to bring in somebody with Premier League experience, arguably somebody with experience of fighting against relegation. It's a cliche, but had they have appointed Sam Allardyce until the end of the season and not Jesse Marsh, I think they would be safe. I think they would be staying in the Premier League.
2: but But Trevor, when you don't have anything Then you have everything. And we only fear the future because we're wasting today. Sorry, I was just reading some Mother Teresa quotes. I thought that's what we had well, to do. Well, oh that's God, the other God. point, actually. I, 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 I was,
4: I was, uh, I was speaking to a couple of members of my cricket team on on Thursday <laughs> evening.
2: How oh, oh can you comparing <laughs> your cricket team? No, no, Leeds United, a professional football club in the Premier League. On, no, yeah. but the issue of Jesse Marsh great. came up,
4: and uh, <laughs> I said, "Well, you know, he's he's obviously referencing Mother Teresa and and Gandhi, Gandhi. As, as inspirational yeah. figures." <laughs> and the guy I was talking to said, "Yeah, but." Neither of them play professional football, which is a really good point, <laughs> to be honest. He probably hit several nails on the oh, head. Dear. Then,
1: I, heard, I heard him say three games ago, I think it was Manchester City, it, 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 something t- similar to, it, it, it's not Panic Stations yet. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, when is it Panic Stations? You've got three or four games left. If it's not Panic Stations now, you're banging trouble, and Leeds are going to struggle. And you look at you look at the game against Manchester City and the Dallas injury. You know, which is ridiculous. You know, it was a terrible foul. It was out of control. Mm-hmm. There was no need. There was no real danger. I no. you know, hope he's okay. But we hope... went
2: in on that when it happened. We said that was a problem with their approach, and it was going to cause them an issue. And it's, it's continued just over, to do so.
1: Overzealous, and then and then ailing with a red card against Arsenal, and then you follow that up with Dan James with a red card. All unnecessary. Uh, red cards, all unnecessary suspensions, and all unnecessary key players that they're going to miss for these last two games. And for me, I don't think they'll get another point. I think they're going to get relegated. What court. about the
2: goal difference as well? I mean, like, I mean, I can't believe that someone could concede more goals than Norwich City, but it is possible, isn't it?
1: Oh, it's outrageous.
4: You, you have to be honest, though. I mean, they have had injury problems. Yeah, Cal- Calvin Phillips will be playing in the Premier League no, next was, wasn't year. That be, wasn't
2: that Bielsa's not that be else's fault though, Jesse Marshall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they what?
1: had injury problems before the January transfer window. Yeah, so why don't they? But play? They've, they've had some a chance to yeah. reinvest and and give themselves a fighting chance, which they didn't take.
4: But for me, they've got they've got two players in Rafinha and Calvin Phillips who will be playing in the Premier League, or in Rafinha's <laughs> case, maybe a. a, a an elite European league next season that's no comfort to Leeds fans now though is it as they take No, but the Bryson rest of them won't be what I'm trying to say is this is a championship squad that arguably overachieved mm. last season under Marcelo Bielsa in much the way that Sheffield United did in their first season under Chris Wilder they haven't invested properly enough so, again Patrick Bamford I know he's been injured this season but is he somebody that another Premier League club and necessarily going to throw money at to bring back to the top flight I'm not sure well, not, I'm not, of, sure. not at the back of
1: this season. Obviously, he's not played. But the body of work that he's done at Leeds, getting him promoted, staying in the Premier League the first year, I would say that if he is fighting fit and 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 ready to go, he's going to have to prove that in the Championship. No one's going to take a punt on him, in my opinion, to go straight in and, and bring him to the
4: Premier League in the summer. But one of the biggest squad issues. now being managed by a, a Championship manager. Someone playing Championship manager. <laughs>
2: I mean I mean the the number I mean what I couldn't understand and actually you know you said I think you were sort of taking the mick a little bit on the fact that you said uh, you know he's uh, he's he's sort of he's lost the plot but actually I think he has the other day when he was talking it was I saw him on the sidelines and he was moaning about a decision that went against one of his members of Star. in fact it was one of his players made a tackle in that Leeds Man City game it was before Dallas got injured and he went to the referee that's not a foul and I thought well, that, that rep clearly is a foul. So either you don't know what a foul is, or you, you are mm. so wrapped up emotionally in this contest that you're, you're talking nonsense and actually making yourself look silly and everyone else around you. Now, obviously, the easy accusation is that everyone will label it, saying, oh, you just don't like him because he's got an American accent. Actually, the reason I, I was actually quite positive about him, I've done quite a lot of research, heard about what he'd been through as a coach and what he'd been going through in his personal life, and maybe that affected his journey at RB Leipzig. But ultimately, since he's coming to the Premier League, he's
4: come up with a lot of waffle and not much substance. And and Trevor, let me ask you as a former player, if you were part of a team fighting for their lives in the Premier League and, and your manager started referencing Mother Teresa and Gandhi, how would the players react? Quite a few of them probably wouldn't know who they were, um, but
1: well,
2: especially, especially especially
4: now because let's I mean, be
2: completely honest, you know those figures are, are historical figures now to a lot of the players yeah. that are, uh, that are in that team. I mean, it's obviously there'll be some educated people in there that will know what it is, but this is not, they're not they're not the first name on people's lips when you start no. talking about historical figures, are they? At no. this generation, that generation, I think,
1: that, I think there'd be a few heads turned in the in the changing room looking at each other like, "What is this guy talking about?" Um, I think you need, just need to stick to simplicity and basics. When Stop you're in getting a sent like off, that.
2: that might help as well.
1: Yeah, but just like you know, it's all about performance. It's all about mentally getting yourself prepared. You know, to to be there for the fight, but also to have the discipline, to have the intensity, to calm the game down when needed. These are things you should be talking about. Not you know Mother Teresa and and Gandhi. It, it, it just like beggars belief that you you would start talking in a team talk about such people when. They have no significance in football.
2: But you, you mentioned it there about, you've said it a couple of times in big pressurised situations, calming the situation down. And one of the things that impresses me most about Graham Potter as a coach is that when things go really well for him, he, he's almost exactly the same as when <laughs> they get thumped 5-0. He's very level-headed. And I asked him about that specifically. And he said, look, it's my job to come out here and present to you and everybody else, the players, the coaching staff, a level-focused mm. way of behaving. But believe me, inside, it affects me. It gets me up, it gets me down. And, you know,
1: mm. obviously. I, I've spoke to professional managers at times, before games, after games, um, and, you know, alluded to the fact if it was a big game, just nice and calm. Mm. And that, that's times, the point,
2: I suppose my point was, is that in Potter, you've got that, in Jesse Marsh, you haven't got that.
1: Yeah, and it, at times, I've, got, I've had a reply, which is, you know we're going to war, and, and I'm 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 looking at the message. and am thinking, this isn't going to go well because I'm as it's, it's, it's a young manager, and I'm, he's getting his players too hyped for this game. They mm-hmm. they're already hyped. It's a huge game, and lo and behold, man gets sent off to lose the game. And I'm thinking, well, he'll learn from it now. But you know, this is what young managers do. So, yeah, no, you've got to you've got to try and calm the players. Obviously, when you're in the bottom of the table, it's different. I've been in both. I've been towards the top of the table, bottom of the, bottom of the table. And when you're at the bottom of the table, you do need to get yourself up. You need to be motivated. You need to be right at it. Uh, And Because usually you've got a team which, you know, on the level playing field, if you don't get contact with the opposition, you're not going to win the game. Whereas when you're at the top of the table, it's it's almost a compliment when you're getting kicked. You've got to stay calm and not get wrapped up in it emotionally. So there's different vibes and different psyche. But yeah, Mother Teresa and and Gandhi, I wouldn't say are the right ones.
4: I I think in, in that respect, this is probably just about the worst possible fixture for Leeds because of the reason that Sam has already alluded to. Graham Potter will be calm. <clears throat> Brighton will stick to their usual usual game plan. And I think they'll, they'll just control the game, Brighton, and and, and Leeds will, will, will come out again, all guns blazing. They'll probably commit to attack because they'll feel they need to chase the game early on. And I can see Brighton winning comfortably. I agree with Trevor. I, I would be surprised if Leeds pick up another point between now and the end of the season.
2: Just one more Mother Teresa quote before we go. (laughs) Yesterday is gone. And maybe soon, so will Leeds United. Uh, You're listening to the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport. Loads of big games over the weekend, including Everton against Brentford at 4.30 on Sunday. And Everton, uh, well, they boosted their hopes of avoiding relegation with a victory at Leicester, then went to Watford. And I was there on uh, Wednesday night and drew nil-nil, in fact, they're the first team not to score at Watford all season, and they didn't play sharp enough, fast enough, get proper connections in the in the final third. I don't even know if they were actually nervy; they just lacked a little bit of quality. Trevor,
1: yeah, I think the recovery after the Leicester game, uh, I thought the you know it, they looked like they were a bit leggy, um, but as soon as they would seen the formation, I thought Lamps is going for a point minimum. And he doesn't mm-hmm. want to give anything away. He went four five one or five four one. And straight away I just thought, yeah, he's sitting in there. you know, he doesn't want to encourage Watford at all. He doesn't want to have any jeopardy in this game. He would have happily 90 minutes, blow the whistle, we'll take a point. We're happy with where we are. Thirty-six points. I know mathematically they're not safe, but nowhere near safe. For- Looking at Frank and, and think, going, thinking what he might be thinking, he'll be thinking a away a point is a good point to take at this time of the season. Well, 36
2: points from 35 games. Burnley just below them, 35 points, 30, uh, 34 points, 35 games. So those two have played the same number of games and there's a two-point differential in Everton's favour. Uh, Leeds uh, then below them, 34 points from 36. So they've played a game more than both Everton and Burnley. And they've got a vastly inferior goal difference. Like, I mean, the swing is 20 goals. And they've so, got Brighton at
1: home and and uh, they've got Brentford away. So yeah. very, very difficult fixture. Well they have
4: to win both games probably in order to survive. Yeah, because you look at the rearranged games. Everton at home to Crystal Palace um, next Thursday. We know about Everton at home. Crystal Palace, I think, have been tremendous under Patrick Vieira. But clearly... All of the motivation is going to be with Everton. Burnley go to Aston Villa, uh, already lost at home to Aston Villa, so I think that one is is more open to conjecture. But you're right, because of the goal difference. Uh, Leeds, Leeds really <laughs> Leeds really need to be looking at at least four points from their final two games. I just can't see it. Leeds fans listening to this podcast will be able to tell me the exact stats, but they go to Brentford on the final day of the season. Their record in the Premier League in London is lamentable. Yeah. They're very difficult for Leeds. Very, very difficult.
2: Um, Brentford have lost just two of their last nine and that run includes victories over West Ham and Chelsea. So they're not going to be easy pickings for Everton, but we know at home the atmosphere that the Everton fans create. And I must say, look, you know, having been in Hertfordshire uh, on Wednesday night, the atmosphere that the Everton fans created at Vicarage Road was absolutely sensational for an away team. I mean, bearing in mind that I think Vicarage Road is probably only 60% full of home fans, but the the away fan uh, allocation was jam-packed and they produced a brilliant display. That was the best thing about the entire game. I mean, there was not much in the match. There was hardly any chances, really. There was lack of tempo to it. Loads of changes for Watford who have given up the ghost, really, but probably played their best game at home since November in that match against Everton, despite seven changes. Uh, But um, the, the supporters drove Everton on and actually... The two best spells that they had sort of came after the Everton fans really revved up their support, which which is, you know, it's going to be crucial at home because I spoke to Frank afterwards about it and he was saying, look, you know, yes, it does help because it can only help propel you when you've got that sort of support behind you, but we have to deliver. And one thing they haven't delivered in is in front of goal. In front of goal has been a real issue. You know, Richarlison didn't really have a sniff at the, uh, in that game there. One shot which was poured away by Ben Foster after the deflection. And Dominic Calvert Lewin came off the bench and offered very, very little. Did, did Frank thank you for your personal support as well since he's been there? Yeah, he did actually. Yeah. He gave me a hug. We had a little <laughs> chat. Yeah, cuddle, that sort of thing. What, what's, wrong, what's wrong with me being uh, um, uh, supportive of a, a young English coach?
4: Nothing. No, I'm just asking the question.
1: I think, listen, we, we, obviously we know Everton have had a, a really difficult season, um, but it's 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 undeniable. Dominic Calvert lewin top goal scorer last season, he's yeah. he's rarely played a game this season. He's got
2: one goal from open play and that yeah, was on the effected, opening day of
1: the season. It's affected him massively. His injuries, obviously, it's taken him longer to get over that injury and, and there's been a lot of speculation regarding his future. Um, and I think I just feel you know when you've got a player who's on form like he was last season it can plaster over a lot of cracks and a lot of problems and him not being in the team has kind of highlighted that they've they've got oh, a really yeah. slight, I mean like Ever-
2: Everton's issues are, are a long and deep the aren't they you know at the end of the day Frank Lampard came in they'd won one in 15 Premier League games mm-hmm. they'd won five in 15 since he, he joined so there's been an uptick but is it going to be enough that's the question you know it was a missed opportunity on Wednesday night. It has to be seen that way because if they had won, they would have put a massive gap between them and Leeds with two games to go that looks unbridgeable. But they've still got three. They've still got three games, which is good uh, for them. They've got an extra game to play next week, and and that could be crucial as well. Right, let's uh, move on to another of the key fixtures this weekend, and um, I suppose the key question. When we get to two o'clock on Sunday afternoon, we'll be with the title on the line and West Ham fighting for European football. What shirt will Trevor Sinclair be wearing this Sunday? His Celtic one. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they get the trophy. Saturday, What's that? They get the trophy Saturday, don't they, Celtic? They do. They yeah. do. Unfortunately, I can't be there.
4: But if Rangers win a European trophy, is, is that a better season for Rangers? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Because and
1: then they get into the uh, Champions League
2: group stages and then the Celtic have to go into the qualifiers if that happens?
1: No. Uh, it's essentially, <laughs> any team from Scotland sure? winning, winning a European Cup um, will supersede whatever team wins the Championship up there. It's an yeah. it's, it's unbelievable achievement and they've got every chance of doing that. I okay. Wish them well. But anyway, yeah, absolutely. Just,
2: just just to clarify, we did ask you a question. What shirt would you be wearing on Sunday? Well, swerved. What are you going to wear? Are you I'm West Ham Manchester or are you Man C- City? I'm,
1: well, I'm actually working for Manchester City TV. But listen, look at the importance of the game. Um, no, 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 we want to know which one you're supporting. Manchester City. All oh, right. Okay, right. Yeah, now, now you can talk to us about the importance of the Okay, game. the importance of the game. There's still a chance, even if uh, Manchester City win that game, that... West Ham can make top six and make Europa League. It depends on Manchester United. We don't know what Manchester United are going to turn up for the last games. I think they've got Palace at the end of the season and hopefully Palace can do um, West Ham a favour and and West Ham can get the job done at Brighton. So, yeah, there's lots of different ways that can go. But on this particular day, I just feel Manchester City have put a lot into the league. Um, They need the points desperately. And I think that desperation will be the difference. You know, uh, Obviously, they've got quality in the side. Um, that supersedes West Ham in general. Um, but as a one off game, I just think Manchester City are so focused. They've only got one thing to concentrate on. And you look at the performances since they went out of the Champions League, and they've been absolutely superb. Well, well, West Ham
2: have only got one thing to concentrate on now as well. And they've had more rest this week than Manchester City. And Chelsea, Liverpool, and Tottenham have all lost at the London Stadium this year. And the Hammers have already knocked City out of the League Cup on penalties. At that venue, is there a chance that West Ham can throw a spanner in the works, Crookie? I
4: doubt it. Or a It'd hammer in the works? Maybe that'd be more A hammer in the works. Uh, <laughs> unlikely. Um, I think Manchester City have done brilliantly to refocus after that disappointment in Madrid. Their performance against Wolves in midweek, led by the inspirational Kevin De Bruner, was sensational. I think he's given everybody at the club a lift, the impending arrival of Erling Haaland. And, and listen, I'm going to have to support Trevor here because he's had a lot of stick on social media from our own Simon Jordan. Ultimately, Manchester I've City... i noticed that. What
2: happened there then? why did you get stick off of uh, Simon?
1: I, well, think I... He'd, I think he'd had a row of his missus and he just wanted to take <laughs> it out on someone.
0: No,
4: no but, no, but Trevor's got a point on this because I saw a, a television broadcaster dissecting the Erling Haaland transfer to the finest detail to somehow make what is effectively a £51 million signing into a £213 million transfer. All transfers have wages to add on, they have bonuses to add on, they have agents' payments to add on. But it seems that Manchester City are the only club who get dissected in such a way. They signed a generational talent for £51 One of the, one, million one of the reasons
2: for that is, is that in, in the past, they have been investigated for not declaring exactly or being alleged to have declared exactly how the money that they've raised has been raised and where the money has ended up going. So that's why it's under scrutiny. But you're absolutely right. Every single transfer is exactly the same in that there is a huge transfer fee then there's an agent's fee, then there's a signing-on fee. I mean, Trevor knows because he's been involved in it. The, the Most of the time, you will get a whacking great big, as a player, a whacking great big signing-on fee. If you've got a £10 million transfer... You're going to get what was it, ten percent of the transfer fee? Is that right? As a as a signing on fee by sort of that's a sort of standard procedure, is it something like that?
1: Yeah, I mean it's between listen, five and ten percent. You can negotiate. It depends what position you're in, but it, so you're yeah, you end up getting yeah. a million quid. Out, the average, you? it's, so you'd say you get a million pound. That might be spread over the four year contract. You get two hundred and fifty thousand pounds a year as part of your signing on fee, and it'll be spread over the full length of the contract, but. Yeah, but with, that, with that, you it, know right?
2: the other thing about the uh, the the, the Harland thing, Harland, Holland. It depends where you are, and he says Harlow when he's in the UK. So we're going to go with that. Um, but the other thing is, is that a few years ago, third party ownership was outlawed, I don't, and you will remember that there were certain players that were owned by agents. Yeah, and that they would have Tevez. Yeah, Tevez was a prime example of it. They would have half of his rights or the rights to that player, the economic rights to that player. Now, basically, that system I don't think really has gone. Actually, I yeah, think agents. They've what the they've, they've done the the instead is, wording, yeah, they've just changed the wording of it. So, whereas Manchester City probably actually paid ninety million pounds in a, an effective transfer fee because they paid fifty-one million pounds to Borussia Dortmund and forty million quid to Haaland's agent. So, and 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 so his
1: he's dad, he's dad and and and, and Riola and and the fact the fact that they've, they've um, come out and they've been. Um, clear with where, the, where, it, yeah. where 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 them funds are going. Again, for me, it just, it points back to this agency and what's going on with agents. It needs governing because there's no governing. Go- but, governing but the reason of that that is so high is on. because
2: of what I just said. I think before that player would have been part owned by an agent. It would be the agent that takes the risk on that player, brings it into a, a bigger league and therefore sort of almost runs the career of it. Uh, but then eventually sells it on and makes a massive profit. And instead of them being able to do that because they own the player, now they're the representative and therefore getting a big slice of it. It is a murkier world. It is a strange situation. It's something that FIFA tried to outlaw, but then couldn't quite get to total grips with it, especially with these big superstars. So So then they just dropped it completely. It is worth a conversation, I think, at some point in the future. But what the good news is, I think, is that he's coming to the Premier League, which is great for... I think our league, because for so long, the big generational talents have been in Spain. You know, Ronaldo, Messi, they've been at Barcelona and Real Madrid. And now arguably a player who is nowhere near the peak of his powers, he's 21 years of age, is coming to the Premier League to enjoy his peak years. And that in itself has got
4: to be a, a positive thing, I think. And from what I'm told, it isn't just that Manchester City blew everybody else out of the water financially. I think the likes of Real Madrid in particular uh, were willing to offer the same kind of salary um, that he's going to be earning in the Premier League. But he believed that Manchester City at this moment in time were the elite club in Europe. He wants to pay under Pep Guardiola, who he believes is the best manager um, in Europe. And there's that emotional pull uh, that comes from the fact his dad played for Manchester City although Leeds fans probably won't want to hear that because he could have ended up at Ellen Road on on that basis isn't he a
2: Leeds fan isn't he a Leeds fan I've seen him in a Leeds shirt I swear I've seen him in a Leeds shirt I've seen him in a Man City shirt but maybe he's
1: got as many shirts as Trevor Sinclair absolutely and my kids so my (laughs) kids will have QPR tops they'll have Blackpool tops they'll have West Ham tops the Manchester City so that's what happens when you're the son of a footballer and you will have seen him in Leeds United shirts as well Um, but for me going back to what you said he's broke records in the Champions League beating um, Lionel Messi Mbappe the the youngest player to score 20 goals in the Champions League he's got 80 odd goals in 80 odd appearances in the Bundesliga he's six foot three he's rapid he's left footed and it's great that he's come to the Premier League but he's not very good in the air though is he? Well, he's not shown that yet, but maybe it, that's just something that he's that's not funny. been out He's to. got
2: something to work on. That's good. There's, there's always good to have room for improvement somewhere. But I agree I like
1: with that. you. I think it's great that he's come to the Premier League. Yeah. I, I, Listen, I put myself in his in his boots and I thought, right, where would I go? Mm. I, and being taking my blue tinted glasses off, would you go to Real Madrid, where you've got an I, aging squad? Would you go, go to, to Barcelona, where you've got a young manager? Or would you go to Manchester you'd City to Manchester. or the PSG? Yeah, it, Manchester City was the club that I would go to if I was him, and that, I think that's why he chose that club. <laughs>
2: That's right, we are towards the end of term. Schools out for the summer. Aston Villa against Crystal Palace, Watford against Leicester, Wolves against Norwich. Who cares? Because I'm sure none of their players do really, not that much. Well, not on the evidence of what I've seen uh, from some of them over the course of the last week or so. Aston Villa actually played quite well against Liverpool in midweek. Steven Gerrard just revving them up, getting them going before the end of the season. And they've signed Philippe Coutinho on a permanent deal today, Crook.
4: Yeah, and I think for uh, a lot less than the thirty-three million pound clause they agreed when he signed on loans, that looks like good business. So how did they that? Aston Villa? Well, I think Barcelona are skint, um, as we know, and Barcelona were keen to get the money in the accounts um, in in time so what, for the so end what's of the their deal financial year. What did you say year? the deal was? I think it's around them. it's around about twenty million pounds. I think. Okay, but if we add thirteen million pounds less signing on fees and wages onto it, how much does it really cost? <laughs> well, we can ask Simon Jordan that question. It looks like good business for Aston Villa. I still think maybe he's been a bit underwhelming. Coutinho, he's in flashes. Yeah. He's shown well, seen a lot, but the not form of old. But um, I think if Aston Villa are to seriously challenge in the upper echelons of the league, then he needs to do it on a more consistent basis. I guess Stephen Gerrard will say with a full pre-season at Aston Villa, behind him, he will be a better player. We shall see. Uh, Trevor, Aston Villa, Crystal Palace, is this uh, the battle
2: of two teams that next year should be fighting for maybe a top eight finish?
1: Well, I would say um, Aston Villa being the size of the club that it is, uh, with the manager in place and the players that they have signed and the players they've got, they should be. Um, with Crystal Palace, I think that they've made real positive steps under Patrick Vieira. And, um, I fear they're going to lose Conor Gallagher. I don't think he's going to be there next season, whether he goes back to play for Chelsea or he gets sold. I'm not sure that Crystal Palace will be able to afford his transfer fee. But what I would say is Crystal Palace have been a joy to watch this season. Players that have come in and done really well under Patrick. I'd break through seasons um, defensively, offensively um, and more of the same. I'm sure Crystal Palace are hoping for the same. And if they can get top 10 again, um, I think that'll be a, a, a... considered a very good season once again and a, a, a building towards getting in that top eight and start you know competing for European football if it continues to go well.
2: Uh, Palace have scored in four of the last five uh, away league matches Villa have scored five goals in their last two outings it could be a bit of a goal fest that should be fun. Uh, Watford against Leicester is two o'clock Sunday as well Watford already relegated Leicester uh, well, they've managed to beat Norwich in midweek, but they've sort of tumbled down the Premier League over the course of the last uh, few weeks. it uh, be interesting to see what team Roy Hodgson puts out, really, because uh, he was. Um, I asked him afterwards if it was difficult for him to raise a, a team to play in the game against Everton. He said, oh, no, everyone really applied themselves really well. But then I spoke to somebody else at Watford after that, and they basically said that quite a lot of their players had cried off injured. Um, when they probably could have, if they really wanted to, Played that game, uh, so be interesting to see what team uh, they are able to put out on Sunday. Um, they've got a new manager, and Rob Edwards doesn't take charge until the summer. Uh, Wolverhampton Wanderers may well be looking for a new manager as well. Crook, is there any sort of news on that? There's rumors going around. I know, I know you've been foraging about it because someone
4: else contacted me and said to me, Yeah, Crook's been on this one as well. <laughs> uh, there have certainly been some issues uh, with Bruno Large in terms of fallouts with players in training. I was told going into the Chelsea game that Wolves needed to produce some strong performances uh, between then and the end of the season in order for Bruno Large to avoid coming under more scrutiny. I think they did that at Stamford Bridge. Did they do that against Manchester City? It's very difficult when you've got a team motivated who are playing for the Premier League title. I think we're going to know a lot more uh, about Wolves going into their their final matches of the season. If they lose at home to Norwich, uh, I think Bruno Large will be under extreme pressure. But I think it's going to be a summer of change um, at Molyneux. Um, in my transfer notebook on the TalkSport website on Thursday, I led off on Raul Jimenez possibly being made available for transfer for as little as £15 million, pounds, which is certainly a lot less than they would have commanded had he gone to open market But, but, but a couple sadly of years that's ago.
2: Down to the fact that he's become really
4: a shadow of the player that he was prior to yeah. the injury, really. And that's that is a sad fact. I think they've accepted that and I think they've accepted that maybe a change of scenery would be good for the player. He's been there for four years but he's only scored six Premier League goals this season. I expect Ruben Neves to leave. Nelson Samedo um, has options and Chelsea certainly at the turn of the year was showing an interest in Max Kilman. I know they want to bring in some British players, Chelsea, this summer, but Kilman's form in the second half of the season, hasn't been great. I think Roman Saïs is moving on as well. So whoever is in charge, uh, be it Bruno Large or a replacement, I think it's a big summer for Wolves because they're one of a number of teams, actually, <coughs> who could find themselves being dragged into a relegation battle next season if they lose key players and they don't replace them properly.
2: Okay. Um, Norwich City have lost 12 of the last 14 games. Yeah. Um... They've been beaten 4 0 by West Ham, 3 0 by Newcastle, and 3 0 by Leicester City recently. So uh, I-, I think if I was going to back anyone this weekend, it would be Wolverhampton Wanderers. That's going to come back and haunt me have a canary squeaking in my ear for the next week. Uh right, looking forward to the cup final at the weekend, Trevor. Uh looking forward to seeing you at some point over the not too distant future. Thank you very much for staying up and getting involved in the podcast tonight. Always a pleasure. Always a uh, Crookie, pleasure. Sam. Thank you very much for bowling us over with some of your wonderful uh, bits of information.
4: I'll be straight back most <laughs> tonight. What, what were you drinking? What were you
1: Drinking there
4: by. He's on the, the way? side that of now it is a cider <laughs> trip. Is a oh spot. right so you're being very
2: professional having a drink during the during the course of uh, this, this podcast it's 11 o'clock on a Thursday night I think we're mm-hmm. allowed uh, by the way um, the, the, the rumours are that uh, we're going to be sponsored in the not too distant future by menswear company right so that would mean that Crook has to wear said menswear <laughs> so you might actually smarten up a little bit you won't be able to wear your cricket gear then fella He'll
1: still make it look average. Don't worry about that.
2: <laughs> He's selling it to the sponsors, Trevor. What? What? All right, okay, maybe we'll give it
4: to Trevor. That's a it. shocker.
2: Right, that's it. Um, we're uh, we're back on uh, Monday morning when you wake up, uh, looking back on the FA Cup final. Who will be lifting the latest piece of silverware?
0: The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds? We set them. Form guides? We've got them. Expert opinions? We share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hold up.